This is a presentation of Dawn Forge Productions. The Group Quest Podcast is sponsored by Doghouse Systems, computers that you know are going to last you a long time. Visit them at doghousesystems.com for great desktop and laptop systems for gamers, starting at $1,200. When you buy a new computer and use our code Azeroth, you'll even get a Jinx code for $25 off of some great Jinx apparel. Upgrade your gear today at doghousesystems.com and let them know that you heard about them through All Things Azeroth and the Group Quest Podcast. Welcome to Group Quest, the new roundtable podcast from all things Azeroth, your World of Warcraft podcast. Join Medros as he gathers a strong group of voices from around the community to tackle the hottest topics of the month. And now, your host, Medros. And welcome to another Group Quest podcast. I've got a great group of people. I'm excited to be here, and I hope you're excited to be listening. And we first have our good friend Daywin, formerly of the Hunting Lodge, and now I don't even know what you do anymore. How you doing there, Daywin? <laughs> doing fine, Med. Doing fine. And what are you doing these days in podcasting? Um, well, I'm still doing uh, Redneck Geek and Cajun Gamer with uh, Brigwin. We actually have that nailed down to a recording time now, so we're back to doing that. I'm doing uh, the other guys with Brian Huff. Uh, every Sunday night we record that, release it on Mondays. And, of course, I do Polygamerous on Monday nights, and that's usually released sometime on Tuesday. I'm glad to hear it. And we also have with us Sinister of the sorry, the Overlords, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. All right, uh, and and uh, how's that podcast going? You guys are done episode two now, or? Yep, got the first uh, two and a half episodes done, and looking to get forward. Looking forward to getting started on the third here pretty soon. And what level Hopefully are the Morgan now? Um, I'm not sure what actually what level they actually got up to. I wasn't able to to get to the last one. Got called into work, so. Um, I don't know. Somewhere between five and twelve-ish, probably. Well, perhaps we can. We, perhaps we can ask the producer of the Overlords, Filmless. Hello. Hi. How you doing? I think they're at eight. <laughs> I'm doing all right. Doing all right. So I think eight was where they got to. Um, I'm. I, I, I hesitate to say I haven't been paying as much attention as maybe I should, but uh, I believe that's where they are. Well, when I produce a podcast, I make sure I pay attention. I listen to everything that goes on so I know what's going on in the show. But, you know, each each producer has their own style, <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> and how is Twisted Nether going? It's going great. Going great. Uh, lots and lots of episodes, it seems. They just keep going. And uh, we're uh, we're having a lot of fun with it. 
it's it's it, I'm very happy with with how it's been going, and I, and from from what I hear from um, Real and Dune, we're now a network for I don't know how or why, but <laughs> but now we're a network. So I, we've got uh, with this I guess with Overlords, we've we've now become some kind of network with with two podcasts. <laughs> well, when you, when you get to the four podcasts that the Dawn Forge Network has, uh, which Group Quest and All Things Azeroth are part of, uh, then you, then we talk. You can join the the, the, the group of, of network owners. Yes, I, I don't think I want a network. I think I've got plenty to do without one. So we'll stick to the the two. It's fine with me. And just to clarify, has, has, have you do you have a new co-host since we last spoke? Um, because you have, changed co-host a fair bit comparatively. <laughs> um, I don't know. If, I thought since I was last time we we had Hydra still. So I believe so. Yes, I mean. Uh, yeah, so it's still Hydra. We haven't changed again. I don't keep changing, thankfully. It's she hasn't decided to to go on, move on. <laughs> Hopefully not for a long time. Well, I don't know about you, but I, if I had to find as many co-hosts as you found, I, I'd be kind of pulling my hair out. But that's just me. Um, <laughs> ah, and sorry, gotten lucky. No, yeah. just saying, I've gotten lucky. I have some great co-hosts. So I would agree. Can't... You've been very lucky. As have I in in the co-hosts that I've had, so I'm very happy to happy to work with the people I've had so far. And lastly, the, the rounding out the five man group, uh, we have Haster. How you doing, Haster? Doing well. It, it was a pretty good day out today. I think it was mid seventies, so I'm definitely liking it. And has your secret project launched yet officially? Yes, my secret project, the Internet Humor and Mirth Show. Uh, it's Launched last weekend, its entire purpose, it's a short-run podcast, about 10 to 15 minutes at, once I get everything spooled up. It, it's produced every two days as something that you can listen to while you're in your car, get a good chuckle, or when you're out and about and don't have time to sit down for a full hour-long podcast. Glad to hear it. So we have a lot to talk about, but first I want to talk a little bit about the sponsor of Group Quest. We we have a sponsor. We we can rejoice and celebrate uh, that we are once again now sponsored. And this this time the sponsor is a company that I think a lot of people who are into WoW podcasts is very familiar with. They are Doghouse Systems. They make awesome gaming PCs that I'm sure you've heard about uh, from podcasts like the incredible podcast of amazing awesomeness and the instance. Now I wanted to make sure that if you haven't heard of them, that you do check them out. They make really great gaming PCs. And I said last week that the, the low, the lowest their, their system goes is as low as $1,300. Well, guess what? It's even lower now. It's $1,200 now as of last time I looked and it's still the best hardware you can get. It's still great computers that are put together and very thoroughly tested. They have 48 hours of burn-in to make sure that none of those components are going to fail on you as you're trying to game. Um, so definitely check them out. They have their armor series. They have a laptop line. And they have some great desktops that are going to be really, really awesome for you. And if you use the code Azeroth, you will get a $25 Jinx card when you buy a new PC through doghostsystems.com. So definitely check them out and let them know that all things Azeroth and Group Quest sent you. All right, guys. So we have a little bit of news this week. Uh, I do want to talk first about uh, the updates to the patch notes for January 24th. Now, 
this was an update that I don't know if a lot of people really took notice of what I took notice in this, and that is that Blizzard has made it a lot easier to get um, justice points and thereby gear up for heroics. Do you guys think Blizzard is trying to make it easier for people to get the gear they want, or, or are they trying to make it easier to be able to get through the dungeons they are, even the normal dungeons? I think they're just... <laughs> Oh, I, I honestly just think they're tired of reading people screaming in the forums that the game's too hard. You know, <laughs> hold on, here come your, your you know, we're, we're going to give you good stuff for normal dungeons again, which, I mean, if you ran normals and do your dailies, it, it's not a problem to get the gear. But, yeah. conversely, unless you're going to be running Halls of Origination, uh was it the instance in the sky or Grim Batoll over and over again? You're not going to have that big of a selection if you try to queue up through the dungeon finder. Right, but you still have your rep pieces. You still have um, the in-quest reward pieces, which are still very good pieces. Um, most of them I level 318 or 333. Um, you know, I mean, just between those pieces together, the rep pieces for revered is 346. Right. But conversely, if you are, if you've quested all the way through the zones and you've, and you've done all the dailies, you're still going to be short a pretty significant amount to where either you're going to have to chain your way over and over through through the normal dungeons that have some upgrades, or you're going to have to buy a whole bunch of gear and whatnot off the auction house, as mm -hmm. you're not going to be able to supplement or supplement it with what you have, or potentially buy the bind on equip, but not equip it so that you can get that magic number you need. See, that's where I disagree, because that's exactly... What I'm saying is exactly what I did on my Warlock. My Warlock did not see an instance until after 85. And the, her first instance was a heroic through rep gear and in quest. Okay, I'm curious how you got rep gear without doing instances then. Doing the dailies. Okay. Hmm. I guess, yeah, I guess I mean, that works for you, I guess. Which rep? <laughs> some yeah, I mean, it, for. it's for harder. each their own, yeah. and I mean, yeah, there's ways to do it without, you know, without having to have them bump up the justice points and everything else. I honestly, I think it's them trying to placate the the people that are screaming in the in the forums. Yeah, and the justice point rewards yeah. really aren't anything to write home about. You could get better stuff off the faction vendors. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's. I think it's a way to, to speed up a little bit. I, I think mainly it's people complaining who have alts, who just don't want to... They, they've they already been in the heroics. They know how they work. They know all this stuff. And now they want to... They're now starting to level their alts. I know, amazing. It's like just we just came out with this thing and now they're leveling alts. But because it's only five levels and they would like to get into heroics and get the their guys into there, but... Um, it's taking a little bit longer because, you know, not as many people necessarily are running the regulars maybe or whatever. And so if you can get more of the justice points, then you can 
get that gear a little faster on the alts. And I think they just do this a lot, though, where the, it starts out a little harder, a little takes a little longer, and then uh, they dumb it down a little bit. I don't think it's horrible. It's not a huge, like, oh, my God, it's so easy to get gear now. It's still a lot of points to get gear, so it'll still take a while. Oh, I'm not saying that it that it's, you know, back to Wrath where they're handing out epics. But, I mean, it's just it's a way to make it easier to get the gear. You know, there's just, I chose another method, I guess. Yep. And conversely, at the beginning of Wrath, you pretty much had to do the dungeons if you wanted to be able to be even competitive in Nax. Then at the end, towards the about TOC era, because you could chain dungeons over and over again and go pick up Ulduar gear, you could pretty much sidestepping jump up immediately to Ulduar level gear and not have to really understand the mechanics and understand the dungeons. Well, I mean, I, I completely expect to see them do that with this with uh, with this expansion in the gear levels. This, the second the next tier comes out, you'll be able to buy tier 11 with whatever badges or whatever system they have set up. Yeah, the, the well, it's going to move down. It's going to take the stuff that you currently can get for Valor points, and it'll move, those will all move to the Justice Point vendor, and they'll have new stuff in the Valor uh, Point vendor. So you'll be able to buy all that Valor Point stuff with Justice Points, so or whatever they're they're called, <laughs> JP. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think the idea is to do that, though, because that's the idea. They they don't want people to necessarily have to go through the process of going to the old raids because most guilds aren't going to do that. And so they, they get stuck. And in order to keep people from getting stuck and not ever being able to raid, uh, they're giving them the opportunity to kind of move forward a little faster, which I think is going to happen forever uh, nowadays. Now it's, it's not going to – they're not going to let people lie around and not be able to raid because they got in there a little late. Yeah. Yeah. I think that Blizzard is, is trying everything they can to bring players in um, and – I think this is a good change because I, for one, don't... I mean, I want to be able to get experience in those dungeons um, before I actually get up to the heroics because when people have all of those rewards on the line for heroic, they tend to get a little more testy than somebody who, in a normal, you know, they're, they might have one one boss that'll give them a decent reward. The rest is kind of just learning is my, in my perspective, at least. Or conversely, the, the important role, the tanker healer who drops out after the first boss, because the loot item they were wanting from that boss didn't, didn't show. So you're stuck in another 20 to 30 minute queue to find someone to replace that person. Yeah. All right, um, so let's move on to the next topic here, and uh, that topic is the upcoming creative development round two Q and A. Um, now the the big question is what we're going to hear. What would you guys like to? If you guys could have your answer be one of the one, or your question be one of the ones Blizzard answers. What would you guys want to hear from the? I guess the lower department, so to speak. That's a good question. Um, 
That's why I asked it. I'm glad that you approve of my questions, Dave. Yes. Oh, that question I... is, they went approved. No. <laughs> the answer is yes. Right. I guess, personally, I'd like to hear, I mean, we we got the really good story. We got a decent storyline in uh, Vashir about why the Earthen Ring matters. Then the Earthen Ring was really big in Deep Home, but they basically got kicked to the curb. Because the queen of Deep Holm decided she didn't want to see the Earthen Ring anymore, even though they're trying to help. So, and then we get a very little thread of the Earthen Ring in, uh, what is it, uh, Twilight Highlands. We don't really understand their entire purpose. For Hygel, we have the Guardians of Hygel, and we see exactly what they're doing in order to fix the fix the world in just their own little section. We see Romken and see how they're important. I, I just don't think we see that the Earthen Ring, I mean, yes, they are the big overall aspect, but I'd like to get more information from them or possibly some dailies out of them as well. I, I think that they should definitely add the dailies. That's, that's one thing I definitely want to see them add. Um, and maybe those dailies will add more story, um, much like I'm hoping the Guardian, Guardian of Hygel dailies in uh, in Hygel will add more story to that line as well, because it seems to quite abruptly end to me. Yeah, pretty much after the, the Maw or Mouth of Madness quest, it, it's just like, no more Earthen Ring. And yeah, I would like to see a little bit more about them or behind them, you know, because, well, I've been leveling a priest and in Southern Barrens, there's a little, uh, Alliance side. I, I don't know whether it's for the, on the Horde side or not, but there's a little group of like four earthen ring guys that sends you on about three quests and that's it. And it's just like they're random splatterings of, of earthen, earthen ring people with no real, you know, this is what this is where they're from. This is what they do. This is where they're going. You know, it's just kind of, oh wait, we got to throw some here because and, this is the cataclysm. Yeah. Right, exactly. Hmm. And and I will yeah. say I do agree with the chat room that there needs to be way more Worgen lore. Lorgan Lorgan war. Yes, Lorgan war. There's got to be more Lorgan War. <laughs> yeah, there definitely needs to be more about him in the game. They've done a great job with the uh, comics and stories and whatnot, but they just kind of go off and die in the game. There's like no explanation of what's going on after you get out the starting area. Yeah. Well, they I, um... they pretty much subsume the the Worgen into the Night Elf progression line even though there's nothing really useful after they basically i uh, was it now Furion and Taranda basically say yeah you're gonna work for us now because your civilization is now kaput yeah, that's yeah. i would have liked better if they leave moved them into silver pine more and actually you know kind of almost done where as an opposition more to the undead coming into Silver Pine and that story, 
mm-hmm. it would have been kind of cool to see more pushing into there and almost, and maybe showing an opposite of that and you know and maybe a, a pullback and to, to finally getting to where where silver pine supposedly is when you're done with the undead story um, yeah and, and integrating it there would have been kind of nice yeah that really frustrates me seeing the the utter lack of continuity in the story i mean to complete the story of the worgen you need to play an undead which really makes no sense to me mm-hmm. i do like how yeah, much you get from playing the undead but you really shouldn't have to yeah yep well i love what they did with the undead story personally i think they did a yeah. great job with that and the the lore is just amazing in that and what they did with it i think of of all the things i've seen redone that has to be my favorite thing within it yep. and i think um I know I, I might ask more of a kind of inspiration they they got for that. Like where did you know? It almost seems like that was their like pinnacle of 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 creativity, you know, within Cataclysm so far that I've seen. Even even above all the new stuff in, in all the new Cataclysm zones or whatever, uh, I still think that I enjoyed that undead leveling experience up through uh, the end of Silverpine better than than anything I've enjoyed in the game. So since and so far, I agree. A okay. lot of fun. <laughs> then going into Shadowfang Keep, and getting your little the surprise that you you get from in there if if you weren't expecting it. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't expecting it, but I really should have. If I'd have thought about it, I would have seen that coming. Yeah. But well, they actually kind of tell you too in in the undead thing. If you, I mean, not that. I'm not saying you weren't paying attention, but but I, I remember seeing something about where they were going, you know, and then you're like, oh, okay. And then later I went in there, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> That's a surprise. Oops. <laughs> yeah, I often don't pay attention, so I was completely lost when it came up. I'm like, hey, how the, what the crap <laughs> happened here? Yeah. It's pretty neat, though. Exactly. I went back yeah. and did it again and, and caught what I missed, but still, it was pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's basically just the continuation of of all that, which which I I think is great. Bringing, I I like um I like when they bring the lore and the stories into the instances. I think that really gives you a real even more of a connection with it because while phasing is nice, this is like you're the main in this story. You know, your group is this yep. main group in this story, and that's it. There is no other random people wandering around in here. And so you really get that great feel for that. And I think that that would be a nice thing, I think, to ask, too, is is do they plan on on kind of enhancing that more um, within the future um, instances they're, they're planning? Because supposedly they're going to have like an instance per main raid release, too, from what they said. Um, are they really going to push that kind of the story and the questing through it and stuff like that, which which I really loved, uh, especially in the like Shadowfang Keep and the heroic version. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see the dungeons. I've, I've seen one so far. I've now um, prepared myself for hopefully tomorrow to see some more. We'll see. But um, I have to say, has anybody here done Stonecore? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Is no, it really no. as bad as everybody <laughs> says it is? Like, yes. Honestly, it's not as bad as a lot of people are making it out to be. The worm is brutal. Um, just Can because be. of heroic, his burrowing yes. thing in heroic, his burrowing thing. Oh yeah. God, is brutal. But yeah. the rest of the it, guys, they're not that bad. 
Yeah, the the the, well, the worm, the, in heroic the worm is actually the... really feels like a heroic, a boss. Which I'm personally, I think that even in heroic, the the bosses in in most of the new cataclysm instances don't really feel as heroic as I think they should. That one really feels like it's like a raid boss. You have to really learn. It takes a lot of of coordination. You have to have kind of the right amount of AOE to handle it. it I, mean, I, I, really, I like it because of that. Uh, and I would also say the Earth Elemental boss is also a bit of a pain in the ass. Especially if your tank decides, you know what, I'm just going to go run in and just face him to the Rest of the people, what what bad could happen? Osrook? is that the one? Uh, the one yeah. that he does the Osrook. body shield thing. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a pain. I I think we we ended up quitting the instance at one point because we just couldn't get past him because the the tank didn't know what he was doing. <laughs> hmm. So, any tips on trying to survive? Um, run. Uh, be aware of. <laughs> be aware of what is underneath you at all times. Yeah, that, especially in, in that worm fight when he burrows, and you see him disengage, blink, whatever you can do to get out of the way. Yes. Hmm. Exactly. Let's see. For the for the dragon though. He wasn't really that bad. I mean, you know, yeah, he's got a huge hitbox, but for a hunter, it's not really that bad because we have to be outside of his melee range anyway. So well, that wasn't brute. That wasn't as bad as, you know. The spikes from falling from the ceiling is a bit of a pain, but if you're ranged, you should already be paying attention to that. Melee, on the other hand, might have to pay a bit more attention than normal. Yeah. Hmm. The end lady's pretty easy. Yeah. I I didn't find I mean as a hunter I didn't find it to be a, a huge deal as long as I was with a group that that was competent. Of course that that varies. Your your mileage may vary. <laughs> yeah, that that's a lot of it too. If you get into a group and you get it ready to do these guys. I would, especially if it's a pug, I would ask if anybody hasn't done it before. Um, cause just the information that you may get or give to someone who has, or, or, you know, if they haven't done it before, the information that you can give them can really help move it along or the information that you receive may very well help you a lot in getting through them. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Um, let's see here. Have any, has anybody here read uh, the Curse of the Worgen comic yet? Yes. 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 Three issues worth. <laughs> Two. Two of them. <laughs> Why haven't you read the latest one there, Fimless? Uh, for some reason, when I looked to see if it showed up on my iPod, it wasn't there. So when it does show up, I will read it, but it is not available yet for whatever reason on mine. So I will wait. Hmm. That's interesting. Because when I go to the featured on the Comixology app, 
uh, on my iPod Touch. It's, it's right there, number three. <laughs> yeah. well, I was looking at the actual series, and it's not showing up in the series. Yeah, it didn't show up in series for me either. I had to go to the feature page uh, okay. to see it. Well, that's weird. They must have broken the, the connection to the series. I don't well, know. Yeah, because it hadn't updated me, at least in the oh, series. Yeah, there it is. Hmm. Weird. And I admit that that's really annoying because it it should they should be connected, but it one would think, but that requires thinking. It does, <laughs> and unfortunately, sometimes it just doesn't happen. Um, but uh, what do you guys think about the story so far? I'm really enjoying it. Really, really enjoying the story. Well, as I said earlier today. It w- I think it was on like page three when we found out a certain artifact that we thought had come out one way. Turns out to be a combination of two components from Night Elf architecture. And now that we know that, it really sets everything we've read inside the game and all the other lore revolving around the object in a totally different light. Hmm. And do you guys think that that will change how people view the the item and the search for it, which I assume we'll probably see at some point in this expansion? Or maybe I'm wrong about do you guys. Do you guys think that's likely that we'll see that? I think we'll definitely see it probably starting in the hands of the Twilight cult or Deathwing's cult. But we'll definitely see it, and I'm betting it it might even be the new caster epic. Legendary, you mean? Uh, yeah, the legendary. Mm-hmm. What do you guys what do you guys what do you guys think? Sinister? Um, I actually haven't read any of them at all, so uh, the only thing I've read is the uh, the one about Greymane himself. So I have no idea what this object in question is, but now you got me interested. <laughs> well, three bucks a piece on Comixology. <laughs> and we're, we're really being circumspect because some people don't like their immersion ruined. Yeah, some people don't like that. Be nice. I, I think that... I'm... I, <laughs> I really think that we will see it uh, at some point. And I'm just sitting here trying to figure out how they're going to work from where the lore is to actually that item coming into play. Yeah, could be. I mean, with them going back to the, uh, to the comic itself, I've definitely forgetting anything else. I've actually been um, enjoying the, uh, the art quite a bit. I think they've done a great job uh, with the art. I think the, uh, the style is really nice. I think it's very interesting, and and I like the the framing and stuff. Just going to from a pure comic side, I think um, it, it's actually a, a really good comic too. Forgetting the the lore and, and story itself, I think the uh, the art is real good. Do you guys think we'll see the main bad guy in the comic? I think you will at some point. I don't know whether he's going to be a a instance boss or a raid boss, but I think you'll you'll see him for sure. 
So where do you think he'll fit in in level 85 content? Since I'm assuming that's when we'll see him. Hmm. I would probably have to say somewhere in the Hygel area would make the most sense. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the Firelands is going to be the Hygel attached uh, raid instance. Yeah, it is. I was just trying to, I mean, Hygel makes sense lore wise. Um, for him to be there with given, especially given the quests in Hygel. Yeah. Um, it would make sense lore wise for him to be there. As far as mechanic wise, I have no idea where they'd stick him. That's actually an interesting question. What do you guys think Goldrin would feel about him? Like, how, how if he say approached Goldrin's shrine, which now Goldrin is at, what do you guys think his reaction would be? Hmm. I'm thinking, though, given more than likely probably accepting because it is that that embodiment of Goldron. Master, what do you think? Um, personally, I, I finished up my Hygel quest today. I, I think there would be a significant smackdown between the main villain, if, if it's who I'm thinking it is, and Goldron. But I think Goldrin would accept him at some point, and the the main villain would become a significant aspect of the new and reformed uh, Cenarian Circle. You think Ooh. the Cenarian Circle would accept him, though? Well, I think based on the fact that they've accepted uh, descendants of the main bad person in other forms and not realize that wait a minute, this is very familiar. We've seen this kind of behavior before. In fact, someone who actually is uh, Malfurion does know this form and has seen it before, and yet he's denying a lot of knowledge about it. At least if you take the word of the, of the comic book to be the truth. Well, I know when it comes to comics and books and stuff like that, most of the stuff that Blizzard lets or, or allows to be released with their logo and everything on it does become canon. Now, whether it's retconned two months later is a whole other story, but they do when they do release stuff like... Um, the Curse of the Worgen comic, the Sunwell trilogy, the actual Warcraft comic, all of that stuff is considered canon lore. See, the, the, the reason I wonder whether or not the main bad guy that we, we know in the comics uh, would be accepted in the Scenarian Circle, at the end of the most recent comics, spoiler alert here, if you don't want to hear it, skip ahead a minute or two. The the nature elements no longer respond to him. Isn't that pretty much saying he's no longer a druid? True, but other, but uh, children effectively 
of that of that of that line have become druids, have become full-fledged druids, and have been accepted into the Cenarian Circle. Okay, and yet but, the, but they, I mean, again, we don't know how the ser- the comic book series is going to end, but he is he is of, of the opinion that that form is the penultimate form for his for his species. He doesn't see any other form as being, you know, even close to reasonable, it seems like. I think it'll become a necessary evil type of relationship. Obviously, Malfurion won't 100% accept him because of the fact that, yeah, a, a long time ago, you did something really significantly bad. What was it, 10,000 years ago? Did something really significantly bad and has set up a, a series of events which has caused an entire people to fall under the sway of the curse. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think that I think there are key lore elements that will possibly prevent... Um, that character from from joining the other druids. I I don't know that he is any further a druid. Um, perhaps he will have found the same control that others have. Um, but it seemed to me that he was very strongly in favor of uh, that line of of sticking to that very strongly. Um, Again, we'll have to wait and see what the last two last two issues uh, hold. I'm excited about them though. Oh yeah, I'm, I look every week and I'm like, is this the week? No. Is this the week? No. Is this the week? No. <laughs> God, come on. Yeah. <laughs> this one yeah, did. I, I definitely think later. it's very interesting how how um, Blizzard has been has been kind of multimedia multimedia ing things. Where I mean, if you look back even um, at the other comics and where they've, you know, you kind of go, you 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 lose some lore if you don't read some of the books, if you re- don't read the comics, and then then at the end that stuff like comes back in, you know. And so okay, now we've learned this whole backstory through the comic, but it's very, you won't really see much of it within the game. And so I think that's what's going to happen here. They'll finish up the five series, and then somewhere down the road, like you guys said, you'll see something more come into it where they pull what what was revealed there back into the game and then expand upon it more within the game and then possibly move it out again or or whatever. Um, But I like how they're doing that um, in some respects, but I know a lot of people, uh, I don't know, are iffy on it because they're not necessarily the type of people who will read comics or read the books or something like that. So they they might lose out a bit. Of course, you could probably find it online in cliff note form (laughs) Um, pretty quickly after, so. Yeah. What do you guys think about the stories they've been telling? Have they been something that you found interesting? As far as like the comics Depends. books and well, stuff? Or? I'm talking about more of the, the leader, you know, faction leader or race leader uh, stories. I like found them to be yeah. kind of interesting. Um, just because it, it gives you a little more backstory on the character itself. And even if you haven't 
even if you have not read all of the lore and every book that's out there that may or may not have mentioned these characters, you know, it's just kind of a, basically if it was a comic, it'd be like a one shot of this is who this character is. And so you kind of get an idea of who he is, what he stands for and some of the things he's done from it. I, I think they did a great job with Grey Mains. It's the only one I read. I don't know if there's even any other ones out there yet, but Hell's uh, Garrosh is out there. I'm 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 enjoying the story so far. They have been fairly interesting. Um, they haven't um, they haven't really gone too far, but they haven't also been too weak i guess they, they give just enough story and lore um and they give us a good background to where the character is now i mean without seeing that story about garage how he came to be how he is isn't overly explained it's a bit explained in the shattering but it's not overly explained how he went from challenging thrall pre-wrath to i'm not sure if i'm ready for leadership you know how he got from point a to point b wasn't ex- wasn't very well explained i guess a- am i wrong on that oh no 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 it it, it was um <laughs> they've done a good job of kind of filling things in definitely and it was interesting to see how you know, uh, again, Graeming is very stubborn. Let's put it that way. Or he was until the the until we see him later in in, in you know, or like basically at the beginning of the the Worgen starting zone. And he was very staunchly, this is how it has to be, and was even willing to stand. You know, basically tell his son where to go. But he still admitted that his son was the wiser man. And I really appreciated seeing that moment of admission that he was not the he wasn't the, the all-knowing person um in 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 the in the kingdom of Gilneas. Mm-hmm. That was that was something I was really appreciated that I really appreciated seeing. Um so I was really happy to see that part. Yeah, it, it kind of gave you that feeling of, okay, he isn't quite the arrogant, pompous person that, you know, he appears. He can be. <laughs> well, everybody can be. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm yeah. very interested to see where they take his character um, from here on in the coming expansions. Because really... Yeah, they were coming patches because really his his character doesn't seem to do much after the events of the starting zone for Worgen. So I'm hoping they'll they'll have more for him. Yeah, once you get to Darnassus, he kind of blends into the woodwork. Pardon the pun. Right. <laughs> but in Yeah, I, well, again, we'll have to wait and see what, what happens with his character. So let's move on to another topic here. How many of you guys have done archaeology? 
me. me. Five twenty-five. <laughs> oh, ah. no. <laughs> yeah, not, not quite there. Me. Three something or other. <laughs> so no, I'm only short a couple of dwarf pieces for some significant uh, achievements in that area. Oh, nice. Nice. Sir, are, are you guys sad that uh, you'll no longer have the opportunity to get a thousand gold for a single art, a single great artifact? Yes, that looked awesome. <laughs> That was that would have been awesome. <laughs> yes, However, it, it actually nice made me do it. Change, yeah, it's a little nice chunk Much of change. Much like the I, random are, uh, yeah. fortune cards. Yes. What oh. I'm upset about is that all of the ones I've sold already, I had sold for such low prices. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. At this point, I'm telling everybody in my guild. Five is even more annoyed. <laughs> pretty much, I'm telling everybody in my guild. I don't. You know, my recommendations are this: get your archaeology to 100. Do not sell a single archaeology creation until after this patch hits, because that's when it'll really, really um, be profitable. Um, one one item here goes from ten gold to three hundred seventy-five gold. Now, that's the world. Uh, sorry, word of Empress Zo. Um, another item goes from nine ninety silver value currently to two hundred gold in the patch. Um, the Chest of Tiny Glass Animals goes from 40 silver to 100 gold. That's a pretty good bump. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't you just hate, hate, if you sold, like, 10 of those for 40 silver? (laughs) And now those same 10 can give you 100 gold? That would really suck. I'm looking down here at some of the things that I've sold, and I'm going, really? I could have got that crap. <laughs> I could have got that for it. Oh man! I've got one of my characters well, up I to five twenty-five, and two two others up over two hundred right now, and I've sold all of it. So there's a bunch of oh. bunch of gold I missed out on. Yeah, <laughs> guys. Yeah, uh, the... we'll get. I think a lot of people to start doing it who haven't been because they didn't really see as much of a benefit from it. I think this gives you. The benefit. Well, it's not. Once again, it's not going to be one of those. You have to do this in order to be competitive rating or anything. It will be a. Oh, I can do this instead of farming that. I can do this thing, um, and uh, I think a lot of people are going to see that as being a definite benefit and going ahead and doing it where maybe they hadn't been before. So, the grays haven't been really that important to me. Obvious. It's obviously it's nice to solve one of the blue. Uh, one of the rare items or to get one of the mounts or pets or whatever but frankly it's something to do while you're not raiding or doing something terribly important and it also allows you to get the keystones which potentially you could use to make easier your dungeon runs once you get up to a certain level yep so it's something to do while you're listening to podcasts Oh, definitely, definitely. Good or while you're on a podcast. Activity. <laughs> now, or be now. on a podcast. No, nope, yes. on this podcast would do that, right? Right. Of course not. No comment. Okay. No. Uh, so, what is? What do you guys find the most annoying thing about archaeology? Because for me, uh, I think we all we all we discussed this earlier. For me, definitely the most annoying thing is at four fifty. Um, I'm still getting troll, night elf, dwarf, fossil, and not getting the Tolvir 
ones that I want. Yeah, I think they need to. I'm not. I've got a guilty that's that's he's five twenty five <laughs> on his tune, and man, I just listen to him rant and rave about that for like days on end. Uh, so I really think they need to fix that. But as far conversely, as... there are some solves that do require you to have five hundred twenty five in order to actually be able to potentially, in order to access the solve, like the Zidrock and all the other ones that are really difficult to get, that are, are good items for level 85s, yet because you'd still need to go through and do the same sites just to find it. I mean, do you really want to have to go and hunt and go get a lobby to get you artifacts so that you can eventually solve that upper division solve. Yeah. But conversely, having the the Tolvir sites being shared with the Kalimdor sites is just really driving me up the wall right now. So do you think that they should perhaps do it so that when you are in Uldum, it only gives you Uldum dig sites? Or... You know, say two of your dig sites change to all them dig sites. I would be in favor of as you get to higher levels and certain uh, civilizations are don't have that many upper division solves, or you've already gotten all the items or gotten both the rare solves, to have it be biased to civilizations that you haven't yet gotten the achievement gotten the items for yeah it is definitely that was something i hope they look at look at this ptr um as we could be as little as three days away from that i doubt it's going to change this ptr um but it's something i hope they do do look at because it is very very annoying to have so many dig sites that have absolutely no purpose to me as a, a as a high level archaeologist one of the things I find annoying, forgetting what level you're at, is, um, yeah, I mean, I, I like wandering around the old world, but uh, forgive me for not liking to fly all the way across the continent um, in order to f- go to any of the dig sites that are left for me, you know, as they pop up. It wouldn't be much, I would be happier if they could find a way to more lead me there, you know what I mean? Where, you know, if I solve one here and, and all the rest of them are up, up on the top, I'm on the bottom, and the rest of them are up. The three others are up at the top. Then put the one that that spawns after I solve this one, like toward those three, but not all the way up with the three. You know, so kind of lead me there, as opposed to make me go fly all the way to the other side of the continent, and then oh, I do all those. Oh, look, all of them are the other side of the continent now. Yay, that's great. You know, or so to your main city, <laughs> and then take a portal or something to get to the other location. But but that wouldn't be archaeology. It just that would be that would, wouldn't be RNG. It has to be random. You see, it must oh, be yes, random. You can't have oh, it not yeah. be random. Well, see, I think I mean to me, I think you, I see I would see more of the continent and see more of the the areas and such that if I was kind of if it was like oh yeah the next thing would be in the in this next dig site and it doesn't have to be next door I don't think it should be the next one down but it could be in like two area two zones past as opposed to being I have to go through six and and it depends on what continent you're on too is where your uh, your hearth is and such if you happen to be on the opposite not that necessarily you should but you might be in which case you 
have no easy way of of getting to that other side, uh, which I found a few times um, on my warlock. I had a problem because actually my hearth was in Dalaran, which was kind of stupid, but that was just <laughs> what I where I was. So it, it was a little a little tough. So. Yeah. Anyways, I believe uh, Femless, we do have to say uh, good night to you. You have your own yeah. podcasts to do. So uh, tell people how they can find you, and now uh, and we'll let you go so you can prepare for your show. Yes, it is not hard to find me. I'm everywhere. No, um, you can find me uh, mainly over at twistednether.net. Um, I'm on Twitter at Fimlis, F-I-M-L-Y-S. And um, uh, I'm also on Polygamerous with Andy, Daywin, <laughs> whatever you want to call him. <laughs> um, and that records Monday nights. Uh, TNB records Saturday nights. <laughs> um, just in a few minutes now. Um, and... Um, Let's see. I also have a blog. Uh, again, a lot of people forget about that. Uh, it's Asleep at the Wow, and that's at aatwow.fimless.com. So, exciting, exciting. Really? Definitely sounds like a very exciting life you lead. <laughs> yes, and then everybody, don't forget to listen to uh, The Overlords now on the Twisted Nether Network. <laughs> Apparently. <sighs> Apparently, yes, yes. And uh, I like it. Very cool show. And we had uh, we had Nevik and Tara and I from that uh, show uh, a couple weeks ago, actually. So, yeah. Sorry, Sinister. You you weren't the first person from the Overlords we had on the show. Sorry. Oh, I know. It's okay. All right. (laughs) I'll get over it. Glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. (laughs) Well, thanks for having me on the show again. I appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. Oh, glad we could have you here. All right. So while we're uh, while we're talking here, let me uh, let me ask: What do you guys think about uh, the the fact that that World of Warcraft is now becoming pop culture in other games? To me, it, it feels like this game is just taking on a whole new level at this point. It's about time. I mean, they've after six used... years of being huge. Well, uh, oh. yeah. Well, realistically, it's been huge for six years. Not to mention that you know they've pulled pop culture references from God knows everywhere else, and they've so... been a pop culture reference. Hmm. So I mean, it, it's it was only a matter of time. It just I didn't wouldn't have expected it in where it showed up. It was it was interesting to see it. The just so people know, uh, the sulfurous hand of Ragnaros made an appearance in another game called Magica. Um, as let me pull up the story here, the Mace of the Molten Core, <laughs> and it looks like the actual item from WoW. I would have been surprised Blizzard didn't have issue with this. Uh, I could see where they wouldn't because it may bring more people into the game. True, true. What do you guys think is the likelihood we'll see this in other places, other references to World of Warcraft? I mean, you see it occasionally mentioned as, you know, that nerdy thing or that, you know, the thing losers do in on, on TV shows here and there. Um you know, that, oh, that guy, he plays World of Warcraft, you know, or stuff like that. But 
Do you think we'll see it mentioned as perhaps maybe even a good thing at some point? I think you will. I mean, especially with as many people just recently, you know, look over the course of what the past three years, just in gaming in general, where people have a lot of the stars and stuff have come out and said they play, you know, and there's even stars that play WoW, you know, so definitely can see it popping up somewhere at with that kind of reference and connotation where, you know, oh, hey, I'm XYZ celebrity and, you know, the Mr. T. Wow commercials, you know, I mean, just uh, there'll definitely be more references. Just don't know where. And I'm interested to see where they're going to pop up. Any any anything you would like to see a reference to, like any place you'd like to see a reference to WoW in? Sinister? Hmm. Other than... Hmm. I don't know. I, I, I can't think of anything in particular that I'd like to see it on. Um, but I, I do think it's going to happen. Uh, you know, kind of like everything else that's kind of nerdy or, or whatever, you know, it, it starts out as kind of a, a negative thing um, that eventually turns out to be something that's big and positive when, when people catch on and really look at it. Um, I, I definitely think we're going to see see some more of it, but as for where I'd like to see it, uh, I don't know, toss it in a movie somewhere or something. I can't think of any specific example offhand, though. Jen in our chat room says Glee, and you know what? I, I've actually thought of the perfect, perfect piece for Glee, and the perfect situation. They can have a, an operatic uh, episode, and they can have a, the, the singer of, who sings the Lament of the Highborn come in and do Lament of the Highborn on the show. I think it'd be perfect. That would be pretty awesome. I would. That would definitely work. However, uh, what was it? Rift, who put the we're not in Azeroth anymore. I mean, yes, it did stir up the fact that they're trying to dethrone WoW as the game to beat, but at the same time they're acknowledging, well, re- really, we we don't think our game is that good, so we're going to go ahead and latch on to WoW's notability so we can stir up some controversy about it. In the, in the end of the companies that actually have the assets and the funding to to do a wow killer or a game that could rival wow aren't even considering the possibility of trying to beat wow anymore i don't think a game like rift is going to have a hope in hell no it, it's not i mean i i did see that advertisement and i was just like really wow okay you're you're trying too hard to do something yeah you know that you can't do Right, exactly. I mean, WoW is, what, by last numbers, 12 million strong? You're not going to see a mass exodus of WoW to go to anywhere else. Hell, EQ still has servers running. You know, people are still playing the original EQ. So, yeah, WoW may not, eventually may slow down. But as long as they keep doing, you know, decent expansions, you know, constant updates and things like that and keep the game relevant and keep the people playing it, wanting to play it, it'll be a long time before somebody jumps that shark. 
So are you looking forward to your level 150 uh, Hunter? Yes. <laughs> and Hunter will still be able to kill you. <laughs> well, don't you know he'll be back for that expansion WoW 10, you know? Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think people are still going to be playing WoW even after the expansion stop. Um, yeah, the, the fact still remains that Blizzard makes amazing games uh and that's it's just a fact um you know there's there's still people playing diablo 2 and uh heck diablo 1 for that matter um you know it's they they make fantastic games and the reason that that wow has stayed alive so long and and continue to grow not just stick around is because it's such a fantastic game and it has so much to offer to so many different types of players that there there's not going to be there there is no such thing as a, as a wild killer it's it's not going to happen um games are going to come along that that take some players away here and there uh but you're not going to see a, a significant knockdown on those numbers to any game other than a different blizzard game that's here, my prediction. Here, here's the wild killer blizzard and blizzard entertainment that's the only company that's going to kill WoW. Yep. The company that can that shuts it down. That's the only one. And any company that says they are the WoW killer is smoking something, and they should share. <laughs> Please. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Just make sure to pass to the left, not the right. Um. <laughs> so, Hastur, I have a question. Are you pro-trash or anti-trash? In some cases, I'm pro-trash. For example, the trash pulls inside Grimbatol, because some of them are elementals, I can actually get a significant advantage over other classes in terms of CC. And other, other just, I just skip straight to the boss, because yes, we've done this trash so many times, we know exactly how to do it, just let us bypass it. We know how to handle it. Well, I mean, Blizzard's done the trashless instance, as people know, in Trial of the Crusader, Grand Crusader, Champion, blah. And people didn't like it. Those did still have some trash in it. Just a very significant amount less than other instances before. Uh, okay, I can admit there, there was some trash. I mean, even the five man had the uh, the little packs of uh, of priest healer tank that you had to kill off before you could take the boss on in, in that one and phase. And the joust com- components for the three faction champions that would show up. True, true. The... The point is that you can't have a low trash instance or people hate it. People absolutely despised TOC, possibly because not only was it no trash, but it was a big room. You didn't go anywhere other than down. It was just a big room. And some of the fights, like the uh, the PvP fight, like the guild that I'm in is very highly PvE people that distinctly hate PvP. So the PvP style fight put the majority of my guild off of one to run it for that alone. Trash or no trash, the one fight screwed it for most of them. I love PvP, so I didn't care, but we could never beat it because nobody else knew how to do anything. 
Yeah. Well, not ever. We did beat it, but. Uh, that one, I, that was actually the fight that gave us the most trouble as a guild because a lot of people in my guild don't PvP. So it just, it gave us a problem for me personally. Everything in one room was just boring. You know, because yeah. it's like, oh, hey, here comes the next boss. Okay. Here comes the next boss. Okay. Oh, no, the floor fell away. <gasps> you know, I mean, <laughs> it, it just... I'd like to see the art that Blizzard puts in the games. And when you're standing in one room, which is basically a giant coliseum with a dirt floor, you know, it's like, okay, this is exciting. Yeah. It got really boring really fast. So let's, let's take the next step up in, you know, low trash instances. 25-man Nocturnus, let's say, where it had less trash than 40-man, and you had less people, so it felt, like, empty. But the, the mobs had huge aggro radiuses, so you couldn't ignore them. There just wasn't a lot of them. But, it, you know, compare that to high-trash instances of, of Vanilla WoW and in some small way burning crusade how like how do you compare the like how do you how do you kind of balance that or can you blizzard even have a hope of balancing it they're not going to get the trash levels right for everyone i mean it it's the same you know i mean it was the same with the raid instances when they did you know toc was an experiment everybody was like oh god i hate running around i hate trash blah 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 and they did TOC. You know, everything in one room, the, the raid instance, everything in one room, boom, boss after boss after boss after faction champs, boss, boss. You know, I mean, it was straight on bosses and people hated it. You know, so, you had Old Juar, which was strung out from here to Kingdom Come, you know, but at least they had the portal system to help you get around, which was a great idea. And they um, had all sorts of weird trash packs in architecture that you had to use in order to make the trash not wipe the raid. Right. So it's... I don't think Blizzard's ever going to find the balance for the entire player base. Um, I just, for me, I think... Um, what is it? Bastion of Twilight 25... The when you first come in the instance with those two groups that are like marching the, with each other, yeah, that's insane. We ran out of raid markers to CC stuff, <laughs> that was just way too much. Okay, what about mobs that like this article from Wow Insider try and sort of teach you about the boss and what you might expect, say. You know, mobs that, you know, one mob will have one ability of the boss, one will have another ability of the boss. What about that kind of a, a of an educational trash pull? I would like that. I mean, I, I think that's a great, um, a great teaching tool. You know, if, if you can get through the trash, well, you've already seen it before. You know, you're, you're, 
muscle memory and your recognition is already there on what you need to do if, you know, we'll just say he's got a shield ability that pops up. You know, if this shield ability starts, then you already know what you have to do from having to do it in the trash. Mm-hmm. Like Matt Rossi, who wrote this article, he, he says that ba- the best trash he's ever seen was raid in three years of raiding was Alduar trash. It often taught you how what to expect in upcoming fights. It was numerous and complex enough to be entertaining without being so numerous that it felt like a slog. And it engaged players in how to overcome it without becoming more daunting than the bosses. Uh, so, to, so far, to my mind, Cataclysm Trash is somewhat above Vanilla and BC, but below the bar set by Alduar. You definitely need Trash, but right now we may, we may maybe need a bit of cleaning of a cleaning service, since Trash is actually serving as an artificial and pointless gatekeeper to content. Yeah, well, and that's why I say the 25-man, um, what is it, Bastion of the Twilight, you know, anybody that's been in there, on 25 knows you round the, you enter the instance round the corner and you immediately stop. Cause here's these two packs of, of, uh, trash that are walk that are pathing. So you have to time the path. So you only pull one of the groups. And even then in one of the groups, there's so many in the group that you run out of raid markers. Yeah. You know, it, it just, it, I, I, for me, it was like, wow, okay, this is a lot of trash. Sinister, any yeah. thoughts from you? I, I think when when trash starts to take on the literal meaning of the word, it, it it's a problem. Uh, you know, and when it's just a major annoyance and doesn't really serve any purpose other than to annoy you or uh, stall you or whatever, then then it needs to go it, at that point. It's, it's no longer serving the purpose of a trash mob in the instance. And it, it's just got to go. But conversely, the first night everybody went into ice crown Citadel and went into that first trash pack room and realized, Oh my, if we aren't careful, the big skeletons will pop out of the wall and obliterate the raid group. And then we'll continue to walk around the room and make it even more difficult. I mean, I think my guild wiped four times on that first trash pack pull because people didn't realize you have to be over the threshold. Everybody has to be over the threshold. Otherwise, it'll continue spawning. Yeah, that bit is a couple times. I think it was a good idea to have trash in that format, though, um, because it it turned it kept it from being strictly a zerg where you just well at least initially um, where you just slapped everything in the middle, AOE'd it, and went about your business. Um, you know, it, I, I think it did a, a, a decent job, though that's not really the best example. Uh, I think it did a decent job of of showing you that you do need to be aware of what's going on in a raid and and know what's what's going on around you paying attention to your surroundings and such so good idea probably not the best example of of something they've done like that but i like that particular one not the part where you had to get past the the threshold but where the uh the big skeletons came out yeah the the random of the 
traps if you didn't have a rogue. Yeah. And then, oh, and God, we didn't did have we rogue for most of it. Yeah, we didn't either. So it was like, okay, did we aggro him? Yeah, here he comes. Oh, boy. You yeah. know? And when they're right next to each other and you pop both of them at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> good times, good times. <laughs> All right. So move on to the next topic. Sinister, how would you like an iPad? I'll take one. Haster, how about you? I have an iPad. Would you like another one? I would like another one. And hey, how about you? Uh, yeah, my poor lonely iPad needs a, needs another one. Needs a friend. I can definitely use an iPad, and Blizzard is thankfully giving us an opportunity. And also, in the, in the same way, encouraging people to get authenticated. Asher, how about you tell us about the Corehound Pup Adoption Campaign? Uh, basically, what Blizzard wants people to do is they want people to get authenticators, so it reduces their their susceptibility to having their account being hacked or having bad things happen or purchases that they're not supposed to have happen. And by doing by getting the account by getting the authenticator, Blizzard gives you an in-game Corehound pup, a non-combat pet. And what Blizzard wants you to do is think about how you would use that Corehound pup and do some creative screenshot with it. And for the, uh, was it? I forget the exact amount, but for people that they believe are of the best, they're going to hand out an iPad. And I didn't get the exact details for it, mainly because I didn't really care. I just thought it was interesting because I already have the iPad. But personally, I think it's a great way for Blizzard to kind of, A, get people to get the authenticators, get some money into the coffers that way, whether or not you subscribe to that theory. B, you get a whole bunch of advertising content and content that people have thought about and been creative with to actually, that Blizzard could then turn around and put into a community site saying, look at all these wonderful things our players are doing with this to with this puppy out here. Yeah, the, the details are that it's a year-long campaign. Every month, Blizzard will give away two iPads to the best user-submitted epic screenshots of the Corehound pup in action. And, of course, you have to be American. And... Uh, it's. I think it's a great way to try and win an iPad. Um, it, like you said, it it definitely encourages security of the accounts. It gives people a way to get something very awesome, and Blizzard gets free marketing materials. Yep. I was just uh, when I heard about it, I was like, hmm, where can I take mine? <laughs> Well, Damon, I'm sure if you win an, one of the iPads, you'll be happy to send it up to here in Canada because I could definitely use one. <laughs> Except um, I think you... you may have to fight my daughter for it if I ever if I won one, Med. Done. <laughs> no problem. And if you you would have to bend certain rules on the iPad, as I believe the U.S. iPads are locked to AT and T. I'm sure I can fix that. <laughs> uh, obviously you can but there are rules against it and yeah we really should discuss illegal things here 
there, there, there is no rule against roaming on a digital device. Well, and if it's the Wi-Fi version, then it's not tied to AT&T it's, at all. It's not going to be a 3G version. I'd be very surprised if it was a 3G version. Yeah, I it, I mean, I've, that's what I have is the Wi-Fi version. And I'd be happy with a, a nice iPad, Wi-Fi. I've got Wi-Fi in my house. i got Wi-Fi all around the city here. I'd be happy to have one and just be able to tap away and do everything I want on it. It'd be awesome. Oh, the thing I was I, thinking with it was with the with the contest was I've got the Core Hound pup, and I just so happen to have the Core Hound pet that looks just like the Core Hound pup. So I'm like, hmm, where can I take the two of them? So when uh, when should I make a trip to uh, your location to challenge your daughter for uh, the rights to the to the iPad? <laughs> well, let's wait till Blizzard sends it. <laughs> when I get confirmation, then then I'll I'll let you know, and the two of y'all can. Duke it yeah. out for it. Yeah. But I, honestly, I would, li- I would love to have one. I think it's a great contest. And it, it's what Blizzard is one of those things Blizzard can do to try and encourage security. Now, I also think they could probably just give these away with their expan- with the next expansion. They probably could have done it with Cataclysm. Um, but this actually encourages people to not only have an authenticator, but actually use the authenticator. So right. that's really, really good. Well, just like the carrot and the stick of the uh, merge your WoW account into a Battle.net account, I, eventually I see the authenticator being something that's required. Well, I, mean, I think it I, should be. It should yep. be. And if anybody hasn't been to the account security section under their account on Blizzard's page, they even now have where they will call you or text you or you can call in to authenticate. I mean, so you don't necessarily have to have an authenticator to secure your account. Um, they, they are offering other methods. I think one method was SMS. So like a text message to your phone. Um, you know, so they are really pushing for everyone to get authenticated. And I think, you know, let's see, you spend six bucks, take a screenshot, and you have the chance to win a, a what four hundred and fifty dollar iPad? Sure, I'll do it. For sure, for sure. Yeah, if you got the, uh, if you happen to have an Android phone, you get the uh, authenticator app for free, so you don't even have to spend the six bucks. Yeah, or the I don't remember. I it's free if it's on the free iPhone too. iPhone. I know it was ninety nine cents on my BlackBerry. Yeah, yeah. Um. I'm I'm definitely in support of Blizzard doing this campaign, and I do hope that it has the success that it can. Um, it has a lot of potential to be a really awesome, uh, really awesome program, and uh, get a lot get a lot more security in, in the game, and um, hopefully a lot less uh, hacking of accounts. Which yeah. of course saves Blizzard money because they don't have to have such a huge staff trying to recover accounts. Yeah, that that's it's always interesting to when you sign in and you see a friend of yours pop on and you go, "Wait, he's not home." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my my little brother got hacked uh just a little while ago, a few months ago, and uh I was talking to him cuz I saw him logging on to all his different characters there and and the hacker was actually whispering me back started having a conversation, asked me for gold. I said, yeah, sure, I'll give you some. And, and I managed to, to stall them and keep them online long enough for the 
customer service to actually find him in game and and trace his IP and get him off there. Hmm. Nice. But my little brother didn't get an authenticator, even though I told him to several times. He still doesn't have an authenticator, even after he's been hacked. Yeah. Well, what I what I do is I have. Uh... Uh, some of my staff that are in the United States, I have them buy authenticators and I'll occasionally have them send a few up here. Um, and if I know somebody who in Canada, because it's extra, extremely expensive to get an authenticator in Canada, uh, shipping on it used to, when they first started shipping to Canada, shipping on that was $50 per authenticator. Holy Jeez. cow. Yeah. It was ridiculous. Uh, I think it's now $20 or $25 for shipping to Canada for an authenticator. Um, but it, it, it's, and that's, that's plus duty. That's not including duty, just to clarify, which can be another $20 or $30. Screw that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so I just have friends of mine mail them in regular postal mail up to me because they're small. They're a little box. I can take – they can mail those to me, and I'm fine having those sent to me. I can have them send me, you know, five or six per envelope without having to pay any extra ship postage. It's, it's crazy what Blizzard charges for them. That's all I'm going to say. Um, but I do want to, uh, to say that it's, it, it, some people I can understand why they don't have an authenticator, um, you know, if they live up here in Canada or, you know, other things that could potentially prevent them from, um, getting one. I think Blizzard should sell them in stores. What do you guys think? Uh, I think they should be that readily available. I mean, although with the iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry apps, I mean, it's almost, they almost have made it, I mean, at least here in the U.S., I don't know how the those stores work in Canada, but I mean, at least here in the U.S., for anything, you know, you can go and take 30 seconds on your phone, download on on Authenticator, you know, and it doesn't cost you anything. Well, yeah, I think they should go ahead and put it in stores, Basically, if they sell game cards or the game itself, slap the authenticator there right next to it on the shelf. And I think Best Buy and Walmart and all those stores would have no problem selling those out uh, in large quantities. I mean, well, send, a, send a case of, of 100 to a Walmart. See how long they last. I don't think they'd probably do as well at a Walmart. Uh, maybe something like a GameStop or EB Games, you'd see a better thing. Personally, I, I, I tend to shy away from the software implementations of the authenticator, the apps, simply because I know that by having it be an application in software, it's a significant step easier to go in and work out what the algorithm is and go and figure out what the next number would be and all you have to do is know what that secure what the serial number is and be able to do it with the hardware implementation it's a lot more black box mm, but they both use the same algorithm yes, so if they you figure it out in the software you've got it in the hardware but but then you'd also have to have that s serial number and the serial number is programmed into the hardware device whereas you could do the same serial number across all your software devices i i may also be very crazy and paranoid about this 
But well, I, I think if it was possible to hack it, 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 it would have already been done. Yeah, it, th- that's my thought on it. If I mean the the software versions are the are basically minus the hardware. They use the same algorithm and serial code tracking. I mean, all the serial codes fit into the algorithm in some way, shape, or form as it is. Um, so whether it's actual a physical piece or a software piece, it's still the same security algorithms. Right. Yeah. And me and my wife both have it on. We both use the Droid version and... We've got different serial codes on ours, so yeah, it's they are different. You're not going to be able to hack all of them if you just hack one. Okay, and I mean, I was really surprised to not see a authenticator given to us as part of the collector's edition of Cataclysm. I mean, if Blizzard is truly pushing this kind of item and pushing this, I didn't see why maybe take take something like the trading card game cards out and instead put an authenticator in for those people who are dedicated enough. Well, but why should I why should I as Blizzard give you something for 6 bucks that I know you're going to turn around and buy? We don't necessarily know, <laughs> but maybe Well, especially maybe. if you know that the marketing campaign is coming up behind it with the screenshots and and all that stuff. You know, I mean, they've they've when I went to BlizzCon, I've got an extra authenticator sitting up here from it. So they've always given them out at at BlizzCon. Um, But from the collector's edition standpoint, you know, they knew that this marketing campaign was coming up. So they're wanting to push that extra six bucks because they take probably, I don't know, a dollar to make. Uh, I think if if I I remember looking at it a while back when the first stri- first string of uh, authenticators come out came out because I was listening to a different podcast and it, that was one of the things they were talking about was a physical token device to confirm your your identity and the devices themselves are I think three dollars just the device the soft the research to do it, I think, was like thirty thousand, as I recall. Well, yeah, but this far into it now, I mean, they have definitely made their money back and probably streamlined the process. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they're they're definitely back on, you know, back on track. These things are are just basically profit outside of paying for you know, paying for themselves or whatever, they change the little faceplate every now and again, and boom, you know? I actually would like to get one of the Corehound-looking ones. I actually think I have one here, actually, now that I think about it. Maybe, I don't remember what we got at BlizzCon. I'm going to have to look now. Maybe I'll uh, see if somebody wants to buy my old uh, original Blizzard in blue uh, authenticator for me. It's a, it's a classic item, you know. It's It's retro. <laughs> yeah, the first string. Well, yeah. the the number panel on the back of my authenticator just totally came entirely off. So I was concerned about it. So I actually switched to a different authenticator and gave the first one to a friend. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe the ones we got, I'm Maybe sorry. I was going to say the ones we got from BlizzCon are the uh, 
Deathwing ones. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Maybe maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll see if some people want to uh, uh, maybe I'll autograph this one here, give it away as a contest, and start using the uh, Corehound one. Because honestly, I could probably use a new authenticator. This one's getting pretty old. <laughs> <laughs> but um, let's uh, let's move on to our last topic here. Um, Sinister, when did you start playing WoW? Uh, I started playing, uh, when was it? It would have been March of 08, I think. Okay, 09, so. 08, something um, like that. Close to three years now. And yeah. when did you when did you feel you really knew your class? Um, it it hmm, I don't know. Like, at what level did you think you really knew your class and how to play your class? Uh, well, at, at that time, I would say I I really knew how to play my class. Uh, at the time, my my class was the mage, and I'd I'd say I was comfortable with with all the different aspects of my class by about level 20 or 30 um, for how how I like to play them at at that time. Um, They've changed quite a bit since then, but uh, it takes me about 20, 30 levels to to pick up a class. Okay. And do you feel that currently... um do you feel that that currently playing in the Worgen, the Worgen that you're creating for the the Overlords podcast, do you feel that that is a an easier way to learn? Like, do you think it's showing you how to play your class better at this point? Uh, that's kind of a tough call. Uh, I would say that they are teaching you. They're doing a better job of teaching you things in general. Uh, combat related and whatnot. I really like that they're they've done things like uh, bringing mobs in that even at the low level that you know spit little pools of acid and stuff on the ground. Um, not in the Worgen area so much, but uh, like the ore control area have have mobs in their starting area that that spit little puddles of of acid on the on the ground. So it teaches you how to not stand in the bed early on um, to a certain extent. Uh, but as far as playing the class, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not. Like, you know, I, I like that they they put in the level three quest to do something related to your class. But like with with my priest, they they gave me a quest to cast flash heal on some injured people five times, and I'm playing a shadow priest. I don't care if you're gonna die. I'm here to kill people. <laughs> so, yeah, it it teaches you how to play your class without. Ne- not necessarily teaching how to play your spec, so good and bad parts to that really at the same time. Definitely doing a better job, just not nailing it every time now. So really, I, I leveled my priest from from fifty to sixty after the patch hit for you know changing the old world, and I did notice that there was a lot of instances where void zones, fire acid whatever stuff you're not supposed to stand in was implemented and i felt that really did ingrain that thought into people's heads of if i stand in that bad stuff i'm going to die so maybe i shouldn't stand in that bad stuff and maybe i can live it Mm -hmm. it trains people 
from very early on to watch what they're doing. Um, and I think that Blizzard is really trying to show people what each of those roles is. My Paladin, I leveled up until 70 as Holy, DPSing Holy before DPSing Holy was possible. Mm. My, my, my damage spell was Holy Shock. A very, very limited spell, very poorly designed spell. It was not a great time, let's put it that way. And I, I can honestly say until I started playing as a Ret Paladin at, in, in level 70 at, in Burning Crusade, I didn't know my class. I didn't know how to play my class. And I've been playing that character for years. I'm glad that Blizzard has started to try and teach people how to play their class what they should and shouldn't be doing and how to adjust and try to adjust them to thinking like somebody who has others around them that they may need to take into, into account a lot sooner than they used to. Yeah. And I think they're doing a really good job on a lot of that. Um, teaching you the basics of, of playing your class or playing the game, I guess is, is a better way of putting it. Um, some of the people that that I know who play that I've talked to um, that aren't really in great guilds or maybe they're not even a guild at all um, because they're just not really social people and don't know how to reach out and, and find stuff and whatnot. Um, yeah, you know, I, I talked to some of them and they're, you know, to an experienced player, they're completely playing it wrong. Um, you know, they're they're using spells that are not good for their spec or uh, they're using play styles that are just a little crazy. Um, and so, you know, it, they, they learn how to play the game from what's in the game right now, but not necessarily how to play their class. So I think they could improve on the, this is how you play a arms warrior uh, or whatever, you know, um, and they, they sort of did some of that, like one of the people, for instance, uh, he has an arms warrior, and but he likes to dual wield. Uh, so he was playing dual wield arms, which can work, but it's not how arms is designed to, to play. Um, you know, that's, that's the two-handed spec, that's what it does. Uh, so he, he's doing what he wants to do, and he's having fun with it, but he's not really playing the class as it was intended. Uh, now, through the new talent trees, for a warrior, for instance, you cannot dual wield unless you're a fury. Um, they took the the ability to dual wield away from warriors um, unless you spec into the fury tree. So, in that regard, they've kind of forced you more into playing it how it's how it's supposed to be played a little bit, but that doesn't work for every class. Hester, what do you think? Uh, personally, I didn't really know my class until I was until I was eighty. I was a BC baby, so I didn't really have enough time to get up to max level and understand all the components of my character. But as, as a warlock, you're pretty much locked into playing one of three specs, and they, as all all are, and you're locked into playing a very specific way with 
with specific minions for purposes and understanding that if you're going to do this kind of spec, you're going to have to have this pet and this is going to be your filler. But if you're going to be a demonology, then you can go ahead and get the fell guard, but you need to use this other spell as your filler. So it and playing playing a new warlock at in the in the post world, I've come to realize that a lot of the things that I take for granted and buttons that I really want to press doesn't seem aren't there yet because oh, I'm sorry, that's a that's a level 80 spell because you're not epic enough yet. And at at least leveling up again, it's faster than my original leveling ramp, but I'm still learning things of of oh, that's why we need to do that. Well, that makes more sense now. Okay. How about you, Damon? Uh, I kind of went into WoW pretty much knowing what the class mechanics were. It was just figuring out the tweak. So probably about level 20, uh, 15 or 20, I had the hunter figured out. Because um, I've just, I've always played ranged DPS with a pet in every MMO I've ever played. So that was pretty, pretty easy. But I will say that I leveled my dwarf shaman right after uh, 403 dropped when you could make them. And they are teaching you a lot of things that you will need later on. Now, one of the problems that I have, though, with some of the spell designs is, is it's contrary to what they're teaching you. They're teaching you circles on the ground are bad. Okay, so why does Healing Rain and some of these other, you know, healing spells throw things on the ground? Because you, my, the first time I ever saw Healing Rain, um, in an instance, I disengaged out of it because I didn't know what it was. I was and, like, ooh, stuff on the ground, bad. And, for example, the Warlock Hand of Gul'dan. It, you want the mob to be in it. You don't want the tank to pull the mob out. Right. I mean, the, yeah. there's there's a few mechanics that they probably need to tweak as far as that goes. Um, just, you know, you're taught for so long, okay, stuff on the ground, bad. Stuff on the ground, bad. And now they're implementing mechanics where stuff on the ground is good. So now, instead of that immediate reaction of something's on the ground, I need to get out of it. They're actually making you think, okay, is this good stuff or bad stuff? You know, so they're adding that delay while you figure out, okay, is this the good stuff or the bad stuff? Yeah. It, it, it's confusing. And I, I do agree that, that that's a very good point. Blizzard needs to fix or at least tweak what is good, what is bad, and what we, you know, whether we should be standing in that stuff or not. Because, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, there, even Death Knight abilities look like stuff you shouldn't stand in, but you want to stand in them if you want your target to die. It's confusing, and it's not easy to try and figure out, and Blizzard really needs to do a, a, a little work, or even a lot of work, to try and clarify that and make it a little easier a little more easy to understand than it currently is. Because right now, it's pretty darn confusing. Yeah, I mean, you're in the middle of um, 
Vashir with the water portals on the ground. I think it's Lady Vash um, that you're fighting in that fight. You know, the water portals are all over the ground, and then all of a sudden healing rain pops. Well, it looks just like everything else you're supposed to stay out of in that room. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and that was actually the first time I saw it, and I was like, ooh, disengage. That's not good stuff. And then the my uh, shaman, the healer, comes over, vent, and was like, uh, you should be standing in that. Uh, you know, <laughs> it, it took a minute to realize what's going on. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we are going to wrap up the show. Uh, so, um, Daywin, how can people find you? Well, you can find me on Twitter as Daywin. Um, they can find me on Polygamerous. The other guys' podcast and Redneck Geek and Cajun Gamer. Okay, but what's the other guys' um, podcast is called? Hmm. <laughs> Nothing. Bad joke. Uh, <laughs> yes, we do have a podcast called The Other Guys. <laughs> but um, you can find me there. Uh, let's see. The other guys record Sunday nights. Sh- is up Monday on iTunes. Polly records Monday nights up on iTunes Tuesday and RGCG records every other Thursday night and usually goes up Saturday or Sunday. Right. And Sinister, how about you? Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Sinister, which is P-S-Y-N-I-S-T-E-R. Uh, you can find me on my blog at sinister.wordpress.com. Uh, same spelling there. You can find me on the Overlords podcast uh, that we've mentioned a few times here. Or, uh, well, that's about it. That's where you can find me. Awesome. And Haster. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as Haster, H-A-S-T-E-U-R. And you can find me at my podcast, The Internet Humor and Mirth Show. T-I-H-M-S dot squarespace dot com. Uh, I p- try to publish something every other day, and hopefully people will start giving me feedback so I can know what people want to hear more. Other than that, I'm just all around on Twitter and other social networks. And, uh, of course, you can check out our site, at thegroupquest.com. You can check out the network at thedawnforge.com and other shows on the network, and that will be at dawnforgeshows.com. Again, uh, if people are wondering, the Obscure cast will be back this coming Sunday. That's their first show back after their, their, their Christmas break, and they have now joined the network, in case you hadn't heard that. So uh, welcome to them, and, uh, of course, welcome to the new music podcast, Halfway around the world, that's halfway.donfordshows.com. Awesome podcast hosted by our moderator, Jen, and her friend, Colin, who is from the UK. Awesome podcast. You should listen to it sometime. And, uh, yeah, so take care, and we'll see you next week for another Group Quest podcast. Thank you for listening to Group Quest. This is your announcer, David Grizzly-Smith. We look forward to your comments at our website, thegroupquest.com. Theme music for the show is Intended Force, from Kevin McLeod of Incompetech. 
www.thepeopleshow.com. This program is copyright 2009 through 2011 by Don Forge Productions and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 3.0 license. This has been a Dawn Forge production, copyright 2011. Find great podcasts and more at thedawnforge.com. <laughs>